Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Climate change is already ravaging the world. We've heard from many speakers. It's not hypothetical. It's not a hypothetical threat. It's destroying people's lives and livelihoods, and doing it every single day. It's costing our nations trillions of dollars. Record heat and drought, fueling more widespread and more intense wildfires in some places and crop failures in others. Record flooding and what used to be a once-in-a-century storms are now happening every few years. In the past few months, the United States has experienced all of this. And every region of the world can tell similar stories. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And just glad to have had a restful Thanksgiving. I'm Nick Severo. What's going on, partner? Oh, we're going to get into more of that in a bit. Uh, on the program today, climate change is real, folks. And we are going to talk to the contributor over at the Daily Beast. Thor Benson will be joining us. He does a great job covering all the climate change news. He's written for a bunch of different publications, The Atlantic, The Daily Beast, Rolling Stone. So Thor will be joining us in the program later on. Uh, but first, before I say hello to Nick Saveri and we talk about Thanksgiving and what he's making leftover sandwiches still four days later, uh, Check the Stats is available wherever you get your podcast, a sports podcast on theanalyst.com. Each week, I interview coaches, players, scouts, trainers, and broadcasters alike as part of their everyday profession, they tell me how they use sports stats and data. We recently had former Notre Dame offensive lineman and Green Bay Packer lineman uh, Aaron Taylor on the program. He's a CBS sports analyst talking about the college football playoff and everything going on there. So check that out. Check the stats is available wherever you get your podcast. Nick, how was Thanksgiving? Let's get into that. How was your Thanksgiving break? 
It was good, man. It was restful. Um, made it a point, made it a point not to watch the Raiders as I have, as I have declared openly, I am, I'm done. I'm taking a break from that narcotic. I will, you know, get stats and stuff, but, uh, good stats like Mike's show, of course, but that's right. Um, no, man, it was great. Watched some movies with the kids, hung out, made some dinner. And you're right. We're still plowing our way through leftovers, but it's a good thing, man. It's, it's one of my favorite holidays. It's just fun. Perfect time of the perfect weather. And, you know, we're good. How about you all? This is your first Thanksgiving uh, with a team of four now. That's right. First Thanksgiving, Leon party of four. You know, just same thing. Stay low key. Really can't do much with a, a one month old um, in terms of traveling and things like that. And my family's kind of split across the country. My mom's actually in Texas with my sister. So couldn't really do much on that front. So we kind of stayed home. Same thing like you relaxed uh, and enjoyed the Thanksgiving break. We hope all of you enjoyed your Thanksgiving break, got to recharge the battery and then turn us on and let's get into it because our episode for today is really about what's happening with the world, with climate. Uh, recently, climate experts and activists uh, have applauded President Biden's Build Back Better agenda because of the framework that's in there about climate change. It contains $555 billion to combat climate change. And this is an amount the president has called the most significant investment to deal with the climate crisis ever Climate expert and activists have expressed excitement for this framework and say that while it's not perfect, it can substantially help the U.S. tackle the climate crisis. Nick, we've had, you know, we had a meteorologist on the program a while back, Violetta Yas, over at NBC10 in Philadelphia. And we were talking a little bit about irregular weather patterns as a part of climate change. And for this episode, I really want to understand what's going on with planet Earth. I want to understand from somebody who's been covering it from the political lens of understanding, you know, what different presidential administrations, what different world leaders are doing. We just had a summit in Glasgow uh, over in Scotland where world leaders came together to discuss this issue. It's it, it, climate activists, scientists will all tell you this is the most pressing issue of our times because it impacts all of us. It impacts the earth that we live in. When you hear climate change, Nick, what are some preliminary thoughts as you, you know, you work in the sphere of education. What are some preliminary thoughts about climate change and how it's actually talked about and taught in schools? Yeah. First and foremost, um, like many things, I think with a real world connection, uh, education struggles with it. Um, you know, I think in many ways, the way we teach science is more from a vocabulary and sort of a, I guess what I would call sort of a content awareness perspective. Science is about process. Yeah, so if we're talking about climate change, it's not so much understanding the concept of what does that mean, but actually what causes it? How do you understand it? Um, you know, what theories are out there about it? You know, and I think sometimes, and again, I don't want to generalize, but I think education struggles with this because to really understand what you're talking about, you've got I mean, you've got to be really well trained. You know, I think that's a problem. I think we're, you know, oftentimes you know, in classrooms, we have people who are providing, you know, a, a generalist background, at least in K to eight education. You know, when you get into a conversation about climate change, like you need to have experts, you need to have people who've been in the field who can give you a better understanding of the process as to what's going on. And that's sorely lacking in schools. And that's just not as it relates to science education, but in matters of history. And we've had a whole big conversation about what is the controversy right now about teaching American history in classrooms. Science runs into the same thing. I think we're getting to a place where if you are to talk about the realities of, of climate shifts and climate change on the planet, 
I think you'd have a, you'd have some outcries from people who don't believe in it. One of the things I'm excited about our guest today is just being able to ask just directly about these articles he's written, but just even to people he's encountered who may be client deniers. What is something you can put in front of people that's just unassailable evidence to point to the fact that this is happening, this is real? Anyway, I'm giving you a long and long-winded answer, but no. it's a very big problem because I think that as students come out of school, you know, moving into you know undergrad, grad degrees, all that stuff, do they truly have an understanding of how climate works? You know, how do you understand what does it mean? That it's not just the weather. It's not just me looking outside saying, oh, look, it's partly cloudy. It's understanding shifts in temperatures. It's understanding the ramifications of when we say things like water levels are rising or glaciers are melting, that as a planet, by any measurement, the planet is getting warmer. And to really sit with that and understand what does that mean? But then more importantly, what do you do? What are the causes? What can we do about it? No, you're right. Climate change is real. I mean, you know, not only are experts, scientists, activists all saying the same things, but somebody like Thor, who's writing about it uh, through a bunch of different publications, really keeping us all informed about it. So when we come back after the break, Thor Benson, the contributor over, he's written everywhere, the Atlantic Daily Beast, NBC News. He's going to be joining us after the break to talk about climate change. Today's episode is presented by Stamps.com. Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly 1 million businesses. Nick, Stamps.com? I love it. I love Stamps.com. Not so big a fan of the post office. To be clear, love the postal workers, but I just the whole service just doesn't work for me, man. I need to get my stamps. I need to have a way to get them quickly, get them onto my envelopes and out the door. So Stamps.com has always been helpful for that. Boy, hopefully the U.S. Postal Service is not listening to this because <laughs> if you guys remember in the 90s about postal service workers, anyway, stamps.com brings the services of that U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle, Etsy shop, a full-blown warehouse shipping out order, stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. Nick and I record on a computer and I got a printer sitting right next to me. No special supplies or equipment within minutes you're up and running printing official package for any letter package anywhere you want to send it and you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from usps and the ups uh, once your mail is ready just schedule a pickup and drop it off no traffic no lines save time and money with stamps.com head to their page right now stamps.com enter the promo code pod you're going to get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts just go to stamps.com Click on that microphone, type in POD, and never go to that post office again. All right, like we mentioned, he's a fantastic contributor to a bunch of different places, the Daily Beast, the Atlantic, Rolling Stone, and that is Thor Benson. Thor, Mike Leon, Nick Savary, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thor, you know, the reason I reached out to you, um, I follow you on Twitter, and you know, you posted something about that CNN piece on the family that buys 70 oh. gallons of milk. Um, we're going to get to that in a second, because from a journalistic angle, that's, there's humor there, but then there's, there's some seriousness that needs to be tackled. But mm. I read your piece in the Daily Beast about you know, how we're dealing with a crisis like COVID in comparison to climate change. And that's why I kind of reached out to you to invite you on the program. Before we get into that article, I wanted to ask you, um, the planet's on fire, literally. Well, there's proof of this. Why, for a literacy moment for our audience, can you explain why climate change is the most pressing issue facing us today as a planet? Well, because it affects everything. And that's one of the reasons it's, um, I mean, 
interesting and a depressing way to write about it. But um, I mean, like sea level rise, you know, that affects a lot of things and we have extreme weather events and extreme heat and um, that those kinds of things can affect our agriculture and our political climate. And it's it just really all encompassing. I imagine you get a fair amount of feedback either through Twitter or various outlets of people sort of pushing back on some of the things you've written. Um, is there a particular stat or data point that you would sort of lob at a climate change denier that just may, again, as politicized as everything is, or at least, and that's the other article I wanted to dive into with you as well about COVID-19, mm-hmm. but what would be a stat or data point you'd sort of lob at a climate denier to just at least give them pause? I mean, not change their conviction, but at least make them pause for a moment uh, and question their conviction. Um, well, one thing I think is pretty easy to understand is if you just look at the timeline of how much carbon we've had in the atmosphere, you can really see it starting to rise quite quickly once we hit the industrial revolution and, and afterwards. So um, I just think just noticing that, that can at least get the idea that, okay, we are contributing to these carbon levels. And then once you get that, hopefully you can understand that there's some danger there. <laughs> Or let's get into your article because it, w- it was a fantastic read. I encourage everybody to go to the dailybeast.com if you're not subscribed. Nick and I have talked about this, about supporting uh, local journalism. Um, Thor, so the article you you wrote about how COVID, you know, it, it's really broken the way we respond to a crisis. I, I laugh because, you know, in May of 2020, if you polled people informally about COVID-19 and a, and a vaccine that could help alleviate a lot of this, I think people would say, well, let's get back to normalcy. Let's take this. Now we're almost, you know, 16, 17 months later and people are refusing to take it. People are leaving jobs, not understanding mandates. Your article kind of makes sense of a lot of this in relation to how we would unify to tackle climate change. Can you take us through that piece and, and, and what you talked about in that article? Yeah, well, I think a lot of people have been thinking about it. You know, we saw this great outside threat and it quickly got politicized. Obviously, Trump had a role in that. But um I think we were already so polarized um, that just whatever it is, is that's going to come up in politics. We're going to take sides. And I wanted to talk to some psychologists about that and say, like, what can we learn from this? And and does this apply to what's going to happen in the future when it comes to climate change? Um, And they were all all said that they were pretty shocked by how polarized things have become in terms of COVID and um, that there is a threat of if climate change gets to a point where, you know, our basic resources aren't as available as they once were and people feel desperate and angry and, you know, don't know what to do that they could easily, you know, kind of turn on each other in certain ways. You know, what is it in your conversations with, um, you know, people in the psychology, in the psychology community, was the feeling that you got that it was particularly as it related to a global health crisis in COVID-19 or is the temperature at a place now, um, no pun intended, obviously, but are we at a place now that, it would have been any kind of crisis that would have been met with this level of political division in the U.S. that nothing would have allowed us to have um, a superordinate goal. I really like that reference you made to the robber's cave experiment in the article. Um, but was it COVID-19 in, just in your reporting or was the sense you were getting from others that it could have been any um, widespread problem? We're just at a place right now where we can't agree on anything. It does seem to pretty much apply to everything. Um I think the thing about COVID and climate change is they can feel abstract. Um, you know, you can't see COVID. You can't necessarily see climate change except for just some of its effects. Um, and it's hard to wrap your head around these things. So I think that makes it uh, easier for us to 
get polarized because it's just hard for us to put these big things, these amorphous things into perspective. In your article, you also gave a really important statistic that 76% of Americans recognize that climate change is either important or it's a critical um, thing for us to focus on. But obviously, as it relates to Congress, that's still a very divided piece. And in what seems to be many media outlets, there's a political division that we, we understand. How does that jive with you, though? Like the majority of Americans recognize this is important that we need to deal with this. Mm. But on the political spectrum, it seems like it, de- it does seem split between Democrats and Republicans on the response. Yeah, well, obviously, um, money in politics is a big factor there in terms of how lawmakers respond. But in terms of the average person, um, yeah, it does seem most people understand it's a threat and that we're contributing to it in some way, or they tend to differ on what we should do. You know, a lot of people worried about the economics of it and all that. Um, and even if, as I say in the article, even if we do agree that this is a big problem, um, our perception that this is one side's problem and the other side doesn't care about it or whatever, um, that causes a lot of you know, behaviors in terms of how people see each other and act towards each other. And, and that can be a big problem. Or before you hopped on, we were talking about you know, what some climate scientists and activists have said about Biden's Build Back better agenda and the $555 billion that's kind of devoted to clean energy. Uh, can you break down uh, all of that for our audience? What the hell does all of that mean? And most importantly, how will this affect you know, the average American? Yeah, well, um, I like the bill. It's got a lot going towards, um, you know, kind of decarbonizing our electric grid and, you know, just investing in a cleaner energy future, things like that. So um, it's going to take time if it passes for us to actually accomplish those things. And I think we need to do more than what's in that bill. But um, I think it's a really good start. It'd be a, you know, the biggest effort we've made thus far to try to tackle this crisis. Yeah, Thor, in terms of the recent recent climate summit in Glasgow um, that, you, that, yeah. that had just, you know, obviously taken place, in terms of what had been discussed there and sort of um, what seems to be the general um, just mood of people in conversations, do you get the sense that that summit kind of best encapsulates what the real problems are as it relates to climate change, or does it feel as though that it's not being serviced enough? It seems like there was more frustration at this one than I've seen in the past, which I think is a good thing. Like we should be frustrated. Um, But it also does seem like, you know, there's a lot of political players who have their own interests just trying to, you know, shape the conversation in a way that could, make it seem like they're doing their best, but not commit too much to, to you know, things that they don't want to do. Yeah, we talk a lot about the U.S. obviously struggles with agreeing to this, or at least, well, the majority of Americans do, but politically, nothing's, not a lot's happening short of the bill. Mm-hmm. And you're reporting that, what are other parts of the world, though, if we think more globally, where the threat of climate change is better appreciated, there's political, or there's, um, changes being made sort of at a, at a national level, things like that. Like in your reporting, where do you, where do you feel there's a part of the world that seems to be getting it right or taking this as seriously as it needs to be? Um, there's a lot of European countries where it seems like there's, um, you know, greater appreciation for the threat we're facing here. And I think a lot of um, poorer countries that, you know, are already starting to see the effects of sea level rise and, and things like that um, are very concerned about this. Um, the United States, back to the money and politics thing, we really have a whole 
you know, industry that exists to convince politicians not to act on this problem. And it's far more of a problem here than it is in other places. But other countries have, you know, like India, for example, relies on a lot of coal power. And so they didn't want to agree to, you know, saying that they get rid of their coal power <laughs> in these uh, talks. But um, so, yeah, there's a lot of factors out there. But um, yeah, I, I would say probably the people who are talking about it with the right amount of alarm are the people that are already starting to see the consequences. Great, Nick. Uh, thanks to your cousins out there that are hurting us in the. Uh, wow, it's um, Modi, man, dude. We got we got a brown Trump. Like, what do you what do you I want know. from us? It's a Hindu nationalist country that you know believes in coal. Like, we're West West Virginia to the tune of a billion and a half people. <laughs> right. Nick does text me a lot about Modi and fairness. Um, so I wanted to before we let you go, um, I wanted to ask you, like I mentioned, how I found you on Twitter. Um. We saw a piece, there was a piece running from CNN about the Biden administration and gas pump prices and inflation and how people are feeling it. And they interviewed this family that has, I think, about 11 kids. And they were talking about how they spend so much money at the grocery store, specifically on one item, milk, and the price of a gallon of milk and you know how much this family buys. And as you've been seeing this play out, you're a writer, you've contributed to so many different uh, publications, like we mentioned. Mm-hmm. You see something like that is uh, from a journalistic standpoint, as Nick and I are both journalism majors and is why we kind of came together to start this show. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think that's right or wrong, the way something like that is spotlighted? You know, a family that has 11 kids, and let's say seven of them are over the age of 18, they're benefiting from three of the kids of Biden's, you know, child tax credit. None of that is mentioned in the piece. But as you dive deeper into the family, it was. But at at the surface level, the network that covered it, CNN, is giving the appearance that like every family has an average of 11 kids and spends $7,000 on milk. Journalistic lens. What what do you think was right and wrong uh, from from that piece? Well, I think it's right to point out that families, you know, are facing these kinds of struggles uh, with, you know, prices of goods and gas prices and stuff like that. But yeah, I think there's been a lot of, just because of the nature of the industry right now, there's been a lot of journalism that's focused on, you know, <clears throat> things that aren't necessarily representative of what the average person is dealing with. Like you'll see a picture of gas prices from an area where gas is always expensive in an article. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, yeah, that, that exists, but it's not representative. Um, so I think people should try to make sure, you know, when they're focusing on these things that you're focusing on what the average thing is rather than the most extreme. Thor, before we let you go, um, I know I just said that before, but I want to ask you one more thing. If somebody wants to learn more about climate change, how you know this is affecting the planet, what they can do about it, how would you recommend, besides reading your articles, what would you recommend for them? Mm, let's see. I mean, maybe this is too academic, but Yale does a lot of good um, writing and communication efforts to try to help people understand this. So uh, I think it's called the Yale Climate Communications Program or something. Um, They have a lot of good resources and kind of make it simple for people. So I'd recommend checking that out. Thor Benson, you can check out all his work, The Daily Beast, like I mentioned. Rolling Stone, he's been featured a bunch of different places. He does fantastic work. Follow him on Twitter as well. Thor, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with us. Truly appreciate it, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, that was Thor Benson. Uh, Again, uh, what's what's a synonym, Nick, for fantastic? Well, give me give me one. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Eh, I don't like it. I don't like incredible. He's really good. <laughs> How about that? Really good. Phenom- phenomenal. Phenom- phenomenal. There we go. Fen- phenomenal. No- noteworthy. 
Noteworthy. Okay. All right. I think you're looking these up as we're saying this, but phenomenal reporter, uh, contributor, excuse me, over at the Daily Beast. Um, I'm, I'm serious. Check out at the Daily Beast right now. If you type in Thor Benson, you'll see that article about that he did. Uh, it's a really, I think it's like, um, like a seven page article or something like that. If it was, you know, printed out on paper, but really in depth about COVID-19 and how we're responding to that crisis and how people feel like we can't come together to solve another crisis that's actually affecting all of us. And that's happening on planet earth. Like really good article. Check that out. The daily beast, all his work. If you just follow him on Twitter, he's a really great follow there. Um, a lot of different articles that he's posted across different publications. Nick, uh, overall thoughts on, on the topic at large climate change and Thor gave you some advice there for people that want to get more involved, find out more about this, but this is a real thing. And, you know, what can people do besides trusting local, state, federal government officials to appropriate funds or understand the, you know, the evolving natures of industries from the auto industry to solar energy, wind energy? Like, what else do you feel like people can do? Well, the first thing to do is to think about, um, you know, as a driver, you know, the what we're going to see with the Biden administration is, and we've seen this with other Democrats, is the continuing push for hybrid cars for electric cars. Um, my wife currently drives a Ford Fusion, which is a, a, a plug-in hybrid car. Um, the I, I think first of this is just being is just recognizing the opportunity. You know, we go back to almost like 2007, 2008 when the when the Prius had first come out and this concept of um, of a hybrid car, like a hybrid engine. You know, we're living in the age of that that's a possibility as consumers, one of the best things we can do is to make that investment. You know, look at solar energy. I mean, right now, any almost anywhere you live, there's probably someone out there trying to sell solar panels to you. And oftentimes, it's usually done in agreement um, with a local energy company. Again, be careful with that. There's a lot of billing stuff. There's some things to be mindful of when you get into those kind of those deals. But I certainly look around here, and I'm certainly seeing more panels going up. Uh, and this is true when you know in our previous place we lived in New Jersey. So I think you know you have to think as a consumer what are those opportunities. Um, it's also behavioral too. You know, think about composting. Think about um, using reusable cups. I know Starbucks. Shout out to them recently. You know, I think on November eighteenth, um, you know, giving away a reusable cup. Like you have to think about trash that's being built up at the same time. You know, when we think about um, you know fossil fuel, you know, we have to think about gas consumption. You know, what are the way? What are the ways around that? And I just mentioned, you know, cars, obviously, but, um, you know, I want, something I do want to hit on is something that Thor brought up was the important idea that what makes climate change almost similar to coronavirus response, harder for people to sort of get their head around, it seems to be, and I trust Thor on this, obviously, is the idea that it felt abstract, that, you know, climate change, yeah, the weather feels different, like if you think about that in isolation. So it's hard for us to get our head around the fact that unless we live somewhere where we're just seeing flooding <laughs> out of nowhere and it just it's here to stay um it's hard for us sometimes to, to think more globally about this and i think that's where the opportunity has to be is recognize that this is real that everything you do every small thing you can do matters check out like i said all of thor's work uh across all those different publications um for us you want to check out more of our work, YouTube, check out all the video clips, audio podcast platforms. Leave us a five-star review and comment, please. Whatever audio podcast platform you're listening to us on, 
Uh, leave us a review if you can. Check out all of our social content, IG, TikTok, Twitter, uh, at Can We Please Talk Podcast, on Twitter, at Can We Please Talk. Um, in the coming weeks, we're going to have some more fantastic guests coming on the program. We've got a former FBI assistant director coming on the program. We're going to talk about everything that's been happening in connection with the January 6th committee, uh, some of the legal trials that have played out, obviously, with Kyle Rittenhouse, with Ahmed Aubrey. So we thank each and every one of you each week for coming back to this show and listening to us. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And excited to think about how I, like Mike, can do things to make the planet more livable. I'm Nick Saveri. Oh, that was really heartwarming. I feel like I'm going to do the same thing right now, too. I'm not going to flush the toilet. All right. We'll see everybody next time. (laughs) On behalf of your family, please do. Later. (laughs) Later. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.